0: Have you ever noticed that every month seems to bring a trendy new diet, and yet obesity rates continue to rise, and with it a growing number of health problems? Uh, That's why I wrote my new book, How Not to Diet. Check it out at your local public library. Welcome to the Nutrition Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger. Today on the show we feature a live Q&A. That covers a wide range of topics, from the ice bucket challenge to the antimicrobial properties of silver, raising children with plant-based diets, nocturnal hypertension, and many more fascinating topics. For those of you unfamiliar with my work, every year I read through every issue of every English language nutrition journal in the world, or I strive to at least, Um, uh, so busy folks like you. Don't have to. I think compile the most interesting, most groundbreaking, most practical findings, and new videos and articles upload nearly every day to my nonprofit site, nutritionfacts.org. Everything on the website is free. There are no ads, no corporate sponsorships, strictly non-commercial, not selling anything, just put it up as a public service. As a labor of love, as a tribute to my grandmother. So welcome back. These are Q&As I do every month, and happy Thanksgiving. Let's get to the top here. Crumpet Pie asks... Uh, I consume about uh, 110 grams of protein from whole plant foods, presumably not crumpet pies, um, in my daily diet. Would that be considered too much? Um, uh, uh, we have no data. I mean, um, it's never been put to the test. We ha- do have this remarkable study, which I profile in my new book, How Not to Diet, pre-order now, out in two weeks from today, I believe. Um uh, showing that you take people who eat about that amount of protein, about 105 to 110 grams of protein, and you split it in half down to 56, um, which is just above the recommended amount of protein, 0. 0.8 grams per hundred kilogram of body weight, I um, mean you get remarkable metabolic benefits. Um, and so, but um, that's likely because you're cutting down on you know, branched amino acids and the sulfur-containing amino acids, things that are found in um, uh, in, in uh, predominantly uh, concentrated in animal protein. So. We know switching from animal protein to plant protein has benefits. We know that um, cutting animal protein in half has benefits. Do we know that cutting plant protein in half at that high levels have any benefits? No, but uh, that uh, um, I would guess if such a study was done I would say that that is too high um, and that I would recommend people get closer to the recommended daily intake which would be about half that um, depending on your, um, uh, uh, your uh, um, BMI. Okay. Uh, Zach Plunkett asks, what do? What about fading, reappearing red spots on the face? Never struggle with acne, eating healthy and cut out cocoa powder. Um, well, maybe that, I, I, that, may, that may very well be um, acne, but you should go to a dermatologist and when you have one of these red spots on your face and see what it is. But presumably it's just acne, in which case you can watch my videos about acne. It sounds like you already have. Um, and so it's about uh, cutting out dairy and cutting out high glycemic foods, which presumably would be doing if you were eating a uh, diet centered around whole plant foods. Um, oh, and no, that barberry video. Remember the barberry video? That was crazy. People randomized to like, what, a teaspoon of barberry something like that. Very small amount. Oh, I actually have barberries. You just remind me. I got to put some on, uh, on supper. I uh, forgot to put them on lunch. Um, these great little red um, berries, they're cheap in like uh, Middle Eastern markets, um, delicious and have benefits such as um, significantly decreasing um, acne outbreaks. So that may be something to try as well. Um, then the only uh, caveat I believe in that video is not for pregnant and breastfeeding women. Um, but again, watch the video to find out. Okay, air fryers, Window. WNY, no thanks. Asks air fryers. Are there any foods that are healthy to be cooked at such a high heat? Sure. Um, we're only concerned about high heat cooking when it comes to muscle foods, so uh, you know, meat, chicken, fish, etc. Because we can get heterocyclic amines, um, and of course, we're grilling something over an open flame, we can get polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, these combustion byproducts. Or we can get AGEs, advanced glycation end products, when we expose high-temperature foods to um, these dry heat temperatures. Uh, the, the when we expose fat and protein-rich foods to these high temperatures, um, which is predominantly meat. Um, but there are a few high-fat, high-protein plant foods, such as tofu. So you grilling tofu, um, uh, not a great idea because the uh, producing these advanced education impacts. Same thing with roasting nuts. I love roasted toasted nuts, but I no longer roast and toast my uh, nuts and seeds and buy raw nut butters um, because of these advanced education impacts. One of the few places you can get it Eating a healthy diet, so um, so you can imagine how in an air fryer you might be tempted to make wings, right? Like tempeh wings, Um, you know, uh, roll, you know, take some, make a flax egg with some uh, ground flax seeds and water, dip it in that, and then put it in like uh, cornmeal or uh, or now they have this um, uh, chickpea meal that's pretty cool, Um, uh, and then you could air fry it. The concern though is that exposing those high temperatures too long could, um, uh, could produce these ags. so what I might recommend instead is you steam the tempeh first. So you take the tempeh, put it in like a sweet potato bag. Or I don't know if you know about these things. You have like a little microwave bag which um, helps keep all the steam in when you steam a, a baked potato or something, microwave potato. Um, well, you can use something like that. Put your block of tempeh in there, of course, with the plastic off, um, and you steam it for a couple of minutes and then basically cook it, right? We, we always have to cook tempeh. We also have to cook tofu too tofu should be cooked um and then so then it's already cooked and so then all the air fryer are doing is um, then we can just put it for a few minutes in the air fryer um just to kind of crisp up the outside um and so we're not really kind of cooking the the tempeh at that kind of temperature. um but otherwise what else might you put in an air fryer um, um uh, uh, sw- uh, sweet potato fries right so you can um, uh, you get these purple sweet potatoes, tis the time of the year where you can get these purple, uh, sweet potatoes, you open up they're this bright indigo, crazy color purple. Um, and then, uh, you know, you can roll them in some, you know, nice spicy mixture, um, uh, spritz them with, uh, like, uh, um, apple cider vinegar or malt vinegar first to get the kind of crumbs to stick, the herbs to stick, put it in there, air fry them to perfection, and then dip them in some hot sauce, ketchup, low sodium, if you can find it. Um, that's a fantastic snack. Um, the, uh, only other concern I might have about air fryers is the fact that it's usually a nonstick surface that they use. Um, and, um, I'm working on some videos right now, uh, talking about Teflon talking about nonstick surfaces. Um, and so, um, uh, I will figure out, you know, there's a new video about, um, DuPont with Mark Ruffalo and Anne Hathaway called Dark Waters, I believe, and talks about, um, uh, this fiasco about, the uh, chemical used in the production of Teflon. I'm eager to see it. I don't know if it's out yet. Anyway, that was a bit of a side uh, a tangent. Uh, where are we here? Okay, Joe Ware asked, any advice for chronic Lyme disease and reactive hypoglycemia? I want my dad, whoever suffers in both, to go whole food plant-based, but he struggles with carbs of any kind. So he should eat uh, low um, glycemic load uh, carbs if that causes a problem. Um, and uh, he should... Uh, uh, make sure that indeed he has such a entity as chronic Lyme disease, as it is controversial whether such disease entity actually exists. And if it uh, doesn't, or if he doesn't have it, um, we may be missing something important. Uh, the, the thea dragon spirit asks, "What can lead to gut and indigestion issues?" Um, oh, all sorts of stuff. Um, but, um, I have a bunch of videos on, uh, if you just type in indigestion or dyspepsia, D-Y-S-P-E-P-S-I-A, into nutritionfacts.org, all my videos will pop up. Um, if I remember correctly, high-fat foods, high-fat foods will do it. Um, in fact, you can like randomize people to just like have like broth versus a fatty broth and the fatty broth will cause dyspepsia. Um, uh, um, and... I think uh, amla was actually used, dried Indian gooseberries. Of course, that just controls the symptoms, not the underlying cause. Um, ooh, I did a seltzer water video, right? Like a, uh, like a carbonated water uh, wa- a video that I think helped with dyspepsia. I know I did a video. I forget the, 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 the whether it actually helped or not, but I think it did. So, uh, but check out those videos, and hopefully that may help you. Theo Dragon Spirit also asked, for example, how low B12 or vitamin D levels in the human body can lead can this, lead to, can this lead to indigestion or not, causing breakdown in the intestines properly? Okay, so uh, I don't typically think of vitamin D and uh, digestion, uh, indigestion issues. Uh, vitamin D has uh, lots of pleiotropic, lots of multiple uses in the body, not just for bone health, um, but uh, indigestion doesn't come to mind. Um, low B12 levels can cause gastrointestinal symptoms. Um, in fact, B12, vitamin B12 deficiency is called the great masquerader meaning it causes everything, right? In fact, I am just I have this new series of videos on vitamin B12 uh, coming out. In fact, I'm going to do a whole new uh, B12 webinar. In fact, you'll notice I just actually changed my um, B12 recommendations down to 50 a day or um, 2,000 a week, down from 250 a day or 2,500 a week. Um, and uh, so a whole series of videos. And I talk about, and I was like, what are the symptoms of vitamin B12 deficiency? What aren't the symptoms of vitamin B12 deficiency? And I go through and cause everything from gut I- issues to nerve issues to you name it. So, uh, yeah, that could be do it. Of course, there's more important reasons to get your vitamin B12, and everyone just has to make sure to ensure a regular, reliable dose if you're eating a plant-based diet. Martin Bester asks, what do I think about ice baths? Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> um... Uh, In terms of uh, uh, data, I don't know of any data. I think I have some sauna videos, but no. Oh, oh, I do have a video. Oh, not a video, in my new book, "How Not to Diet," coming out in two weeks. I'm not just always plugging the diet. Of course, all proceeds I get all go to charity anyway, but um, I do want to help people. Um, uh, I do. There was a study on cold showering, not exactly cold baths. What did it say? I think it did not affect number of, I think it it was trying to boost immune system or something. So they randomized, I think they randomized people. I'd have to look. Um, uh, My my recollection, they randomized people to cold showers or not and trying to see if it like boosted their immune system. And if I remember, they did not have fewer days off work in in either group, like it was the same, like it, it seemed to be a flop, I think. Um, but, of course, there's other things that could be measured, and they weren't, and they weren't talking baths or talking about showers, but that just sounds ugh. Uh, make sure you do not have, if you're taking a night bath, something called autonomic failure, um, since that could cause problems. There was a poor woman who stroked out, um, uh, taking the ice bucket challenge because she had autonomic dysfunction um, and uh, cold water in the face, thanks to the diving reflex, which was known since the 1700s, um, has this remarkable ability um, in our body. Um, basically a safety feature for all air-breathing animals, um, but uh, you have to have the autonomic nerves to tamp down your, um, uh, your heart. Otherwise, you can skyrocket your blood pressures like 100 points, and that could be a problem. Okay, if uh, indeed you uh, something's wrong with your nervous function. Okay, Brenda WNY, no thanks, asks, I think your new, my new book is already shipped. Um, I mean, it's shipped to warehouses, but you shouldn't actually be able to get a copy. Um, and if you can, then, I mean, it's funny. I actually got boxes, well, I, I got boxes. Um, and it says on the thing, on the thing it's like embargoed until you know December 10th. So do not sell these. And so presumably stores all across the country got these books saying don't sell these until December 10th, but you can totally see how someone would be like, hey, Sell you one in the back alley or something, but I don't know. You shouldn't be able to, but fine with me. Um, oh, now I need to come up to Buffalo to sign it. I think I am coming to Buffalo. Um, I'm doing a lot of upstate New York. Uh, uh, I'm speaking, if I can remember correctly, in CUCA, at CUCA College in Homer, New York, which is between Binghamton and Syracuse, in Syracuse, also Rochester, and also Buffalo. I'm doing like that whole throughway circuit. Um, and in like two days or three days, something crazy. But then I get to go see my mom, um, who lives in uh, who lives in Binghamton. So that that's 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 the best way to cap off any week. All right, where am I? Um, da, 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 we did indigestion. Buffalo. Okay, Alyssa Roberts asks, "What are the facts? Are the fact that's the way any good question should start out. What are the facts on colloidal silver? My mom swears by it." It seems very homeopathic to me. I wish it was homeopathic. If it was just one in, one silver drop for every, you know, for 10 million drops, then it wouldn't cause silver toxicity. Um, indeed, there's a disease. Um, in fact, your skin turns a particular color. They'd be like, ah, you have silver toxicity, which you can get. You should not be drinking, eating silver. You should not be dripping it in your nose. You should not be, anyway. Uh, presumably, you could put it on your skin without being absorbed, but I don't know why anyone would do that. Um, uh, so, does silver have antimicrobial properties? Yes. So people are like, "Oh, I have sinusitis, I'm going to stick it up my nose." But then you swallow it, and you can get a silver toxicity disease. Don't do it. All right, that was easy. Joseph Campbell. Oh, is that the Joseph Campbell? Oh, uh, I can't see. They're like the little, the, you know, your little, the little uh, um, icons are so small. But are there any studies you recommend? Oh, related to raising of plant-based children. Um, there's a bunch of wonderful reviews out now. If you don't have access to the medical literature, well, you can watch my video, how to download like any medical journal article for free or whatever. Um, but, uh, um, but you may not be able to understand the kind of medical ease. Um, instead, uh, I might point folks to a good lay source is basically anything written by Brenda Davis, Vasanti Molina, or Reed Mengels. Um, so Reed has a fantastic book out on uh, pregnancy, plant-based pregnancies, um, and then uh, and and all three of them um, are some of the intern I, I would think of as the most trusted dietitians when it comes to plant-based rearing of children um, that I can think of offhand. Okay, Janet Bulk um, says, Doctor Gregor, please some cookie recipes. Um, what do I have? So I have, of course, the How Not to Diet Cookbook. In fact, just working on the How Not to Diet Cookbook, which will be out December 20, next December, <laughs> um, a year from next month. Um, but we're just working on the recipe list. I don't think there's any cookies, sorry. Um, Yeah, that's the way. We need some weight loss cookies. I'll get on that. Yeah. All right, Minimalist Vegan asks, Hi, Dr. Gregor, I've been having hypertension in the middle of the night. Ugh, while I sleep, I've been trying to notice some redness in my eyes won't go away, mostly mostly whole plant foods, do you know what is wrong? So uh, nocturnal hypertension, having hypertension middle of the night is characteristic of uh, what's called sensual hypertension, um, which um, is a basically a diet-related disease. Um, and if you don't do something about it, you will be put at risk for uh, stroke, kidney failure, eye problems, all sorts of bad things can happen if you have high blood pressure. So um, what can you do? There's, um, so I would encourage you to eat even healthier. I have a chapter, of course, now not to die on high blood pressure. And I would follow that to the letter. Since you diet around whole plant foods and add things like hibiscus tea and ground flax seeds to drop your blood pressure down. If you can't do it through diet, and of course, exercise can help bring your blood pressure down. If you can't do it through diet, and lifestyle changes, then you need to talk to your doctor about I'm putting you on blood pressure drugs such as a diuretic to start. Deb Adams asks, any tips on dealing with esophageal spasms? That's interesting. That's actually a good question. I don't think I've ever done any videos on esophageal spasms. Uh, Yeah, so it's not something I've run across. But um, if you go to pubmed.gov and look in the National Library of Medicine database and put in esophageal spasms and diet anything interesting sounding pops up, let me know about it. And maybe if there's some practical tips I can offer to people, I will do a video about it. Okay, Martin Bester again asks, looking forward to ah seeing you in Iceland. I am speaking in Iceland for the first time. It's one of the uh, few countries I haven't spoken yet. Also speaking in Poland for the first time. Can you believe it? Um, also speaking in Switzerland for the first time. Um, so, yeah, really excited that I think it's in May. Uh, about 200 cities uh, coming up uh, in my uh, speaking tour for the next book. Hope to see you. I mean, I'm sure I'll be in your hometown somewhere. Although I'm not going to Australia this year. I'm sorry for all my Australian fans and those. I've just been invited to Thailand and China and Korea um, uh, to South Korea and uh, Singapore. I'm not going to make it. It does not look like I'm making it out to Asia this time. It's just the it's so hard to pack those in because, you know, you need a whole day just to travel. Ah, uh, But I am doing a, kind of a European tour. Um, and, uh, and of course, everywhere here in the continental U.S., as well as why I was invited to Alaska. But, again, it takes so long to get there. You know, it's um, instead of doing that, I could speak at more places, skipping my Alaska Alaska trip. Sorry about that. But I am speaking Hawaii and the rest of the continental U.S. Hope to see you there or somewhere. You can go to drgregor.org and uh, click on speaking dates, and there's the whole list, and it's piling up. If you want me to come speak in your hometown, um, you can go to nutritionfacts.org, click on the speaking invitation link, um, and maybe I'll be able to uh, fit you in. But do it soon, because it's getting backed. All right. Roshni Saxena asks, is toxicity, dioxins, DDE, chloridane, and arsenic only in white potatoes or is it also in sweet potatoes too of uh, those uh toxins are not particularly in white potatoes any more than anything on planet earth has been contaminated dd is a ddt metabolite uh chloridane uh, uh pesticide i believe a bayon pesticide at this point um arsenic yeah i wouldn't think arsenic arsenic is in like water-laden foods like wild rice and rice um uh, so uh yeah no um maybe you're thinking of Uh, These compounds found in the skins of white potatoes, particularly in green and mature white potatoes. Um, But uh, yeah, no, um, uh, sweet potatoes are healthy, though, so I encourage you to eat sweet potatoes. And there's no particular uh, toxin that I know of inhabiting sweet potatoes. So eat up. And what a perfect time of the season. Happy Thanksgiving. Eat your sweet potatoes. Even better, purple sweet potatoes if you can find them. Lynn W. asks, reverse, all caps. Sluggish heart valves. Thanks. Herper, I don't know what a sluggish heart valve is, like a stenosed heart valve. Um, I do know that um I'm super excited. I'm doing a video. Ooh, I don't know when it's coming up. I'm you know I have to script a whole year's of videos because I'm going to be on the road for a year. Um, so I have all this great new information circling around in my head, which is great to do these Q and A's because I can share all this stuff that isn't we don't have videos even on yet. And one of the things is on heart failure. For the first time, treating heart failure with a whole food plant based diet, um, there was a case report, I think it was in the new Journal of uh, Disease Reversal and Prevention. Make sure you go to IJDRP.org, right? The International Journal of Disease Reversal and Prevention, this new medical, peer reviewed medical journal um, that uh, talks about chronic disease reversal. How cool is that? Um, I'm doing a series of videos talking about uh, th- some of the first uh, few issues, and it's free, completely free. I would uh, encourage you to subscribe. Anyway, they one of the, um, uh, I believe it's in that um, uh, journal, um, they have this amazing case report, uh, in fact, a case series on folks um, reversing uh, quite serious heart failure, like ejection rates down 25% up to normal with a whole food plant-based diet. We knew that um, uh, plant-based diets could reverse coronary artery disease. Um, but that's different than heart failure. and Heart failure can be due to valvular problems or all sorts of um, uh, muscular problems in terms of uh, uh, not being able to pump blood efficiently throughout the body. Little did we know what a plant-based diet can do and miraculous results. Can't wait to see it put to the test in a randomized controlled trial. But uh, based on those case reports, I don't see why it shouldn't be. All right, where are we now? Doo, doo, doo. Okay. Ian Shabot uh, says, uh, "Come to BC a day early, oh, in July, and come talk to us in Victoria. Oh, I must be in that area in Victoria. Um, I would love to speak in Victoria. I've spoken in British Columbia before. Um, uh, if you, there's a local hospital or something or university that wants to uh, bring me out, I would love to come speak. Just click on the speaker invite button, um, and hopefully, I'll fill it in." My, uh, the trip's getting packed, though. But hopefully, hopefully, I can squeeze in. The more, the better, as far as I'm concerned. All right, Roshni is back, saying, "Should we take iodine supplements if we aren't eating much sodium or salt?" Who should be eating too much sodium or salt? Everybody should be eating sodium or salt, right? So, um, uh, so iodine, critical mineral, uh, critical nutrient, uh, which is necessary for thyroid function. Um, and, uh, it's found in in terms of food supply, mostly in marine source foods. Um, so both like seafood and sea vegetables like seaweed, um, and for people that don't eat those, um, they may, uh, get, not get enough iodine. And so iodine, um, so the salt supply has been iodized, although only about 50% of salt sold in the U S is actually iodized and the salt used in processed foods is typically not iodized. So even if you are eating salt, you're probably not getting iodine. Uh, you may not be getting iodine. and But if you do use salt, yes, you should use iodized salt. But no one should be using salt. No one should be adding salt to their food because the number one dietary risk factor for a death on the planet Earth, according to the Global Goldberg disease study, the largest risk factors in human history, um, funded by the Bill and Linda Gates Foundation, that that's the worst thing about the, the global diet. Worse, killing more people than soda and processed meat and you name it, eating too much sodium. So we all need to cut down on salt. Where are we going to get our iodine? Fantastic question. Okay, so the um, now actually the number one source of iodine in uh, the United States because uh, uh, Americans don't eat a lot of fish is actually milk. And uh, now it's not found naturally, um, uh, um, uh, concentrated in milk. But they use they use these teat dips or sprays where um, uh, they use like a betadine type iodine containing disinfectants to disinfect the udder um, uh, before milking. Um, and it kind of leaches into the milk. Um, uh, the iodine is also added to cattle feed. And so milk, the American milk supply, the dairy supply, um, contains iodine. Actually, it's uh, up like 50% of the iodine, depending on the population here in the United States. OK. So, you're not eating fish, uniting uh, sea vegetables, and uniting milk, where you're going to get iodine? Fantastic question. Um, now, what I would like to see is the uh, plant-based milk Um, companies of the world, the oat milks and the soy milks and the almond milks, why are you adding iodine, right? You should add like, uh, you know, 100 uh, micrograms of iodine per cup, just like to kind of equal what's currently in kind of the dairy milk supply. You already add B12 and calcium and uh, and, uh, and other nutrients, sometimes vitamin A, vitamin D, to bring it up to on parity with milk. Why not add iodine? Um, And so if you look very rarely um uh where you find iodine added and i think that's a travesty um and and it's particularly a problem because vegans in a study in boston for example found um to have insufficient iodine levels what you do is you measure the iodine flowing through your bodies by doing a 24-hour urine collection um and uh normal uh sufficient iodine is like 100 through 199 um, Probably micrograms per liter, or something like that. Um, and vegans came, and so average population in the United States is about 130. Um, and uh, and vegans came in 70 78. Um, uh, and now of course one vegan came in at like nine thousand six hundred whatever because they're eating kelp, which is too high, way too high. We shouldn't be eating kelp; it's too much iodine. Um. But uh, but so that suggests that uh, um, vegans are again insufficient iodine is particularly a problem during pregnancy where we absolutely everybody needs to ensure a regular reliable source of iodine. Certainly don't want to do that with fish because of the industrial pollutants like mercury. How do you do it? Uh, you make sure your prenatal vitamin has um, iodine, and only sixty percent. Of prenatal vitamins in the United States follow the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendation, the Thyroid um, Association's recommendation to make sure iodine, 150 micrograms a day, is in your prenatal supplements. If you anti prenatal vitamins, which you should, um, they should include iodine and 40% don't. Okay. So, um, but then, uh, you know, after weaning, where are we going to get um, iodine from? The healthiest source until the plant-based milk companies get their act together. Um, of course, um, no one needs to drink milk of any kind, but if you are going to drink milk, might as well uh, have some iodine in it, um, is sea vegetables. You say, oh, I don't like seaweed. Well, there's lots of unseaweedy type seaweeds. So for example, dulse is a relatively uh, mild form of seaweed. You can get dulse flakes. Um, so one teaspoon a day, get all the iodine you need. So you can sprinkle on any food and develop it. I encourage you to develop a taste for it. Another way, easy uh, way to do it, nori sheets, you know, like uh, those sushi sheets. Uh, um, you can buy 50 pack, pretty cheap, actually. And what a great um, uh, and, uh, and I mean, you can snack on them. Um, that's what I do. I just I just chew on seats sheets. Um, and uh, so two a day um, will get you all the added you need. Um, And your um, thyroid gland stores iodine. So you don't actually have to get iodine every day. Um, uh, But uh, you should kind of average out to about uh, 150 milligrams. Um, And uh, another easy way is Alaria. One of my favorite seaweeds for soups. A single teaspoon of Alaria, These like little threads, little like dark green threads. Um, Fantastic for miso soup. Yum. Um, One teaspoon is all you need. That's another good way. Um, so those are the two common ways. The only two secrets I would stay away from is kelp has too much iodine and hijiki spelled with both a J or a Z in the middle um, uh, has too much arsenic. Stay away from hijiki. Whew, that was a long question. Uh, long answer, sorry. But great question. Fantastic. I love good questions. All right. Where are we going? Now the pressure's on for the next questioner. Who is Tina? Um, uh, Tina uh, Tina Biswas. Uh, sorry, I mispronounced everyone's name. Um, uh, Dr. Rear, please name the best foods to counter depression. Ah, I've got a video on that. In fact, I think the video is called Best Foods for Depression. Something like that. Um, so, yeah, just type in depression. And I forget, I believe, fully contained foods, vitamin C-rich foods. Um, there's a bunch of, Oh, there's There's foods that act as like MAOI inhibitors. Really cool stuff. Um, it's really fascinating science. And actually studies have put it to the test. Um, and so, uh, right, so, you know, we can, by removing... Um, uh, uh, you know, meat, fish, uh, chicken, um, other meat and eggs from one side. You can see them boost and mood and a randomized uh, controlled trial within just two weeks. Um, but in terms of particular plant foods that are beneficial, um, check out my videos. And then in three books from now, so like, oh, I don't know, like 2029. Um, I'm going to do a book on uh, diet and mental health, but it's a couple down the road all right um fly shacker or flies hacker asks what kind of sublingual b12 supplement would you recommend all the ones that they find um contain artificial flavors uh, sweeteners which you don't want." okay good question all right so i recommend that the vitamin b12 supplements be taken either it's taken alone so not in a multivitamin because some uh, there are some uh, vitamins and minerals um, when mixed together with B12 can actually destroy the B12 and even worse turn it into B12 analogs, which actually not, instead of adding B12 to your diet, subtract B12 by blocking B12 um, and so we don't want to take a multiply, we want to take it separately. as a separate B12 either sublingual, chewable, or liquid and that's because um, when B12 mixes with saliva our salivary glands create a, um, a protein that binds, a, a binding protein that binds with B12 and helps ferry it safely through the digestive tract. So by having it mixed with saliva it actually improves absorption. Um, so there was this dramatic series of experiments where I have a video coming out showing where you have people swallow a B12 tablet versus just chewing it up um, and swallowing it like a little lozenge. Um, uh, you know, Obviously B12 levels shoot up in the chew group, but flatline hardly anything in the swallow group and they're like, wow. Are they just not absorbing or something? No. Then they had those people, those same people, you chew the same pills, and boom, all their levels came up. So, um, okay. So, but the question then is, well, uh, what's the best brand? I um, the important thing is that you're getting cyanocobalamin, not methylcobalamin or methyl B twelve. Cyanocobalamin. Typically, if it just says vitamin B twelve, it is cyanocobalamin. It is the most stable form because methylcobalamin um, uh, is photosensitive, meaning exposed to light, it can degenerate. Um, and someone has to take much higher doses. You don't even know if those doses, um, are going to help you. Uh, so one out of the three vegans that was tried in would be total efficient didn't work in them. Um, and that's because it may have been, um, all gone. That's why we use cyanocobalamin, shelf stable, um, and also happens to be the cheapest. Um, and so that's the most important thing. And then in terms of brand, it's all just, um, uh, you know, if there's something you want to stay away from. Uh, The amount of artificial colors or um, sorbitol or whatever is in those little lozenges or sprays or liquid, Um, it's not something that I would worry about. Um, You can look around and maybe there's one that doesn't have such a thing. It's not something I care about. Uh, I mean, it's not something I care about because I don't don't think there's um, any um, associated risk. But if you do find one that's, you know, I don't know, colored with beet juice or something, um, then let everybody know. We can switch on over. All right. Uh, Jag Singh asks, what are my thoughts about whole food, plant-based diet, and longevity? Um, Oh, well, that's my next book, Um, which I will start writing in January of 2021 after the book tour, How Not to Age, and it should be out uh, 2022, uh, December 2022. I'm very much looking forward to to diving into that research. Uh, but it will indeed be nice to um, to take a break from all that research and go out on the road and meet everybody that I've been helping all these years to inspire me to continue the journey. Okay, so uh, so the answer to the question is hold tight, stay tuned, and we will get there. All right. Um, oh, what? Hold on. Am I already over time here? Ah, ah. I'm so sorry. I got so lost that iodine answer took us away um i hope everyone i will uh, look forward to seeing everyone next month and hopefully i'll be telling everyone the good news that how not to diet thanks to all your pre-orders came out launched as the number one new york times bestseller book um, fingers crossed see everybody later we would love it if you could share with us your stories about reinventing your health through evidence-based nutrition Go to nutritionfacts.org forward slash testimonials. We may share it on our social media to help inspire others. See any graphs, charts, graphics, images, or studies mentioned here, please go to the Nutrition Facts podcast landing page. There you'll find all the detailed information you need, plus links to all the sources we cite for each of these topics. For recipes, check out my How Not to Die. Cookbook. It's beautifully designed, with more than 100 recipes for delicious and nutritious meals, and all proceeds I receive from the sales of my books goes to charity. NutritionFacts.org is a nonprofit, science based public service where you can sign up for free daily updates on the latest in nutrition research via bite sized videos and articles. Everything on the website is free. There's no ads, no corporate sponsorship. It's strictly non-commercial. I'm not selling anything. I just put it up as a public service, as a labor of love, as a tribute to my grandmother, whose own life was saved with evidence-based nutrition. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Facts. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger.